the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We're starting a new series uh, uh, today, just for a couple of weeks, um, about invitation, um, about invitation, about inviting and being inviting. Good morning, everybody, and I'm so glad you're here, and I'm so glad to share this, um, this message with you, because this uh, is actually... The, the fruit of several of my own life experiences um, and things God has done in my life. And, I, and I'm excited to share if some of those with you in the measure of what's reasonable um, in, or this week um, and next week. Life can be complicated. Um, and life sometimes throws, you know, all these different situations at you. And sometimes all you need is a break. Um, you know, I'm going to date myself here, but back in the day, there was this Kit Kat commercial that just like the, the, the you know, the, the theme song of it was, give me a break, give me a Kit Kat bar, right? And sometimes I turn to God and I tell him, Lord, like, I just need a break, you know, just give me, just give me a break. Um, and, um, that's what that's what that's what community is for, and that's what a church is for, and that's what we're here for, right? The church is here to be a body of believers. That's what church is. It's an assembly of believers that carry each other together. And my first experience of that was in college. I made all of these friends that were Christian, um, and it was my first time to make Christian friends not at church. Um, and, uh, I had all, I had a, they had a big group of friends. There was like a good 20 of us and we were really good friends. And we had this, uh, tiny little office in student services. Um, and so we walked in, I, I remember walking into the office one day and I was upset about something personal. Uh, and I just kind of sat in the corner by the door and one of my friends looked at me, he goes, John, that's not your, your usual chipper self. What's up? And I was like, this was at a, a time in my life where I was one of those annoyingly happy people, you know, those people who have made a decision, you know, I have a friend, I actually think he's here today. He wakes up every morning and he says, I'm going to have fun today, right? I was like that, you know, and I just had a smile on my face and it was a decision. And I was convinced that happiness is a decision that you'd make. And then because of that decision, everything else around you is, is joyful and is happy. And that's a topic for another day, but that's who I usually was. And that day I was not. And my friend noticed and he just walked in and he, he just walked up to the right beside me to the light switch. He turned the lights off, closed the door and he just started praying. And when he was done praying for me, out loud. He asked if anyone else would like to pray. And one by one, each person in turn prayed for me, you know, about 10 people in a room, like the size of like three of these pews. It was a tiny, tiny room. We're, and, and there's so many people in there and every single one of them prayed for me. And I just felt like they took me and I was unable to pray. I was up. I was so um, heartbroken. I was un, I was unable to pray for myself and they just took me and they just lifted me up to God. And that was my ex first experience of like, like of fellowship. That's when we use this, this Christianese word fellowship, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about when a bunch of people gather together and they, and they, and they bring you closer to God, Right. And it's like zero effort on your part. And you're just, you're just surfing, you're just surfing the tide, 
You know, they're the tidal wave and you're just, you're just floating on the tidal wave and the tidal wave is just bringing you where you know you need to be, but you just can't get yourself there yourself, right? And in other instances, fellowship is you being the tidal wave, is you noticing the person who's out of character, you know, upset or this or that, and you saying, you know what, I'm going to carry them. You know, it's my turn to carry. I'm going to carry them and bring them. And that's what, that's what church is, right? And that's what this place is, right? And Jesus says, they will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Christians are people who are willing to take a bullet for each other. And this was obvious in the eras of persecution, because in the eras of persecution, in the time of persecution, if you if if you you knew where the Christians were gathering, so you could easily rat each other out, right? And so you trusted these other people with your life, and they trusted you with theirs. Imagine how tight-knit of a community that was. People would come into the community, and they would see how much these people love each other, and they wouldn't even know God, and they would say, I want that. Hey, look, I can't think of a single person who would take a bullet for me. And these people have a whole gathering of people who would gladly take a bullet for them, who would gladly go under the, uh, under the sword for them. I want some of that. I want some of that. That's what church is. That's what church is. That's what you have. Sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a pinch, um, and I'm not really good at asking for help. I'm one of those people who's just not very good at asking for help. I'm terrible at delegating. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hard worker. I'm a pretty smart guy. The, the bigger the challenge, the harder I have to work. The earlier I have to wake up, the later I'm going to sleep. I'm going to get this done. I don't usually reach out to people. It's been being a priest has been a real learning experience for me to learn how to reach out and ask for help and get other people involved. And the people who have been here for some time can tell you I'm, I'm still pretty terrible at it, but I'm trying. Right? But that's what church is. It's a place where you can, where you can easily reach out and you, can, and you can find help. Right? And this is yours. This is your church. This is what you have access to. But I can tell you this, because I get the, I have the wonderful privilege of spending all of my time with people, meeting people and talking to people, and listening to people from all different walks of life. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't have somewhere where they know they can go and they can find positive energy, where they, can, they know and they can find people who care about them, people who are willing to put them second. And when I'm in a pinch and I, and I actually think, to, oh, maybe I should ask for help. And I turn and I ask for this person or ask, no one ever says no. No one ever says no. Because these people wouldn't help me out with a favor. These people wouldn't take a half day off to help me get this or that sorted out. These people would take a bullet for me. And I would for them. And I would for them. It's not about 
It's not about networking for work purposes. It's not about meeting a life partner. All of that stuff is included. Like all of that stuff is included in the package, but that's not what it's about. It's about Jesus' final commandment to his disciples. He says to his disciples in John 13, 34, he says to them, Love one another as I have loved you. Fast forward less than 12 hours later, Jesus is on the cross. That's the church. That's what it is. And if we ever make it something other than that, it's not a building, it's not an institution, it's not a corporation, it's not a fundraising campaign, it's not a humanitarian aid agency, it's none of those things. It's a bunch of people who love each other and they're gathered together with God in their center. The uh, bread that we use for our offering has a big cross in the middle. And then it has 12 little crosses around it. And then it has the Trisagion, the hymn, the hymn of the Heavenlies, written around that. And then the rest of the bread. It's like, it's like a pebble thrown into a lake with ripples, right? Christ in the center, his apostles around him, the whole church rippled all around, all around Christ, all gathered together. That's what this is. And for those of you who are here often or all the time or whatever, that would seem like mundane. Like I haven't told you anything you don't know. And for those of you who know other people here by name and so on, you know you can ask anybody for anything at any time. And people will drop what they're doing to come and help. All you have to say is like, I really need help. And someone will be there like that. But the rest of the world doesn't have that. They don't have that. They don't have, they, they might have that within their family. They might have that within, you know, with, within, but in an intergenerational setting, in a multicultural setting, crossing across different socioeconomic classes, it's, it's just amazing. You got to come to our community dinner on Saturdays. You find, you find people of all different nationalities, of all different socioeconomic backgrounds, of all different, all just helping out to make this dinner happen because we're usually shorthanded. And guess what? It happens. And then we all sit and we all eat together. It is the kingdom of heaven. It is the kingdom of heaven. That's what it is. It's a bunch of people who love each other, who, who, are, not, who are not tripped up, you know, by all of these things, ethnicity, age, sexual orientation, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's it kind of just, you know, for this moment, it doesn't have to matter. And we can just love each other. That's what the church is. Love is the highest ideal that Christ has set for us. Love, love of God, love of neighbor, love of enemy. The Desert Fathers they came to a realization that these three commandments, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, love your neighbor as yourself, love your enemies, that these are not actually three separate commandments. They came to the realization through deep, deep prayer that these boundaries that we see between ourselves, you and me, friend and foe, the heavenly and the earthly, are very artificial. 
and that all of God's creation belongs to him and that all of God's creation came from him and all of God's creation is coming back to him. So to love God is to love your neighbor. St. John tells us, how can you say you love God if you don't love whom you cannot see, if you cannot love your brother whom you can see? Right? And so they, they, they discovered that your neighbor, your friend, your brother is, is the same as your enemy. Is the same as the person that you don't know. Is the same as the person you've known your whole life. They are all. They all belong to God. They are all part. They're all part of God. They're all returning back to God, and God is calling us to love all of them, and to care for all of them, and to serve all of them. Love is sacred, and it's respected by all. And living with purpose that aligns to the highest value that you hold in your life, whatever that is, brings meaning to your life. Like if you're asking to yourself, yourself, how can I feel like my life is more meaningful? Living with purpose that aligns with the highest ideal in your life adds meaning to your life. And the ideal that God has set for us on the highest pedestal is love. And that's what the church is. And that's what you're here with and sharing in. But love, love is this intimate thing, right? Whether it's between, you know, two people in a very intimate setting, or even if it's, even if it's in a group or whatever, it can only be entered into by invitation. And so this is your great calling. You know, if you are friends with, one, with another person, I can't just walk into that. Like for me, for me to, to become part of your conversation, you have to bring me in. I'll give you an example. You know, inside jokes, I used to be the king of inside jokes until I realized that the reason, like think about it, why do we have these inside jokes? You know, because when I have an inside joke with my friend, right, and then... You know, we're standing in a group and I say like that time and we both laugh and everybody else is standing there. That says that we have something going on that the rest of you aren't part of. It's, it brings a limited number of people inside and it pushes the others out. And so I made a conscious decision to stop using inside jokes. And when I can't resist, right, then just bring everybody else in. Give them the context. Remember that time? You know, actually, everybody, remember that time and just bring them in. And then everybody laughs, right? It's out of our insecurity sometimes that we exclude others to include ourselves, to make ourselves feel like I'm included. If, I, if, I, if you're excluded, then maybe I'm the one who's included. It's out of our insecurity. They're not bad people, right? I'm not a bad person, but it's out of insecurity, right? And so God is calling us to be people of invitation. And that's what, that's what everything I want to share with you is about. Why invite? It's an honor to get invited. Anytime you get invited to something, you feel honored. You have the power to honor others by inviting them. Forget about their response. Forget about what they're going to say. Forget about... I learned something. I'm going to talk about this a lot more next week. Next week, I'm going to talk about the how. I'm going to get real practical about the do's and don'ts of invitation, right? But I realized something. When I, 
several years ago, I used to live alone in another town on the other end of the country. And Christmas rolled around. Um, and, I, I was, and I was working on and off um, throughout the, Christ, the, the, the holiday season. And uh, one friend invited me over for a Christmas thing at their place. And I told them, oh, I saw, I'm sorry, I can't, I'm working. And then other friends had organized things pr pretty much on every single day between like the 25th and the 1st. There was something happening at somebody's place. And these are all really good friends of mine. Somehow word had gotten out that I was working, and I worked a lot. And so I didn't get invited to anything else. And then I felt really awkward. And these were like good friends of mine. All I had to say is like, hey, what are you doing on this day? And they'd be like, uh, yeah, people are coming over, but I thought you were working. And I'd be like, oh, no, I was only working on the 26th, but I'm free the other days. And, then all, and that would have solved everything. But it made me really think. It made me really think, you know, people would rather turn down a gentle invitation than not get invited on the presumption that they're not available or wouldn't want to come, or maybe that's not their thing. Not a pushy, like, peer pressure invitation. A gentle invitation. It's, it's an honor to be invited to anything, to something you have no interest in and you would never go, but somebody thought of you personally, reached out to you personally, addressed you by your name, and invited you. It's an honor. It makes you feel good. Forget about receiving the invitation. You have the power to be the person honoring others. Because you have something awesome that you could be inviting them to. Whether it's a barbecue at your place, you know, some friends get together, or whether it's, it's Sunday church. You have something wonderful that you could be inviting them to. And the most wonderful thing that you're inviting them into is your life is to spend time with you. What an honor. What a privilege that you have, that you can give others. Being invited is an honor. Everybody likes to get invited. What do you think of when I say this is an inviting person? Or this is an inviting situation. I went and looked it up in the dictionary or in the thesaurus to see what are other words that you would use to describe an inviting person. An att attractive, something that makes you want to experience, welcoming, charming, appealing. When you are a person who's, it's your custom to invite people to things, people perceive you as somebody who's interesting. People perceive you as somebody who's got stuff going on. Like, this isn't a popularity contest or how to make people like you, but you get something out of this too. It's a win-win. It's and we're always worried about what people are going to say. We're always saying, what if this person says no? So what? Let them say no. Right off the bat, just by opening your mouth and saying, hey, why don't you come to this? I'm doing this thing. Why don't you come? Why don't you come sit with me on Sunday? You know, my church is doing this thing. Why don't you come over for a barbecue? Come over, come this, come that. Right off the bat, you've honored the other person and you've made them feel like, hey, you've got, you've got stuff going on. You're right. 
people will say no. You're right. Statistics say about four out of five people will say no. So I, I heard this statistic long before I was a priest. When I first moved to Toronto, I went to this wonderful church, our sister church up, up north. It was in North York at the time. It's in Markham now. And I lived here downtown. And I heard the statistic that four out of five people will say no. And I thought to myself, I'm going to church anyways. So it's no skin off my back. I had a, uh, uh, this small Honda Accord coupe. So I had four seats in my car, three to be comfortable, right? So I thought to myself, what would it take for me to fill all four seats with people who would otherwise, there was no way they would ever end up at this church in North York, right? Well, if four out of five people will say no, that means to fill four seats, I'm going to need to invite 20 people. So I made it my challenge. I just kept a little, a little piece of paper in my pocket, right? And I, and I just little chicken scratches, you know? You know, one, two, three, four, five, one, two. And I just counted how many people I needed to invite, you know? And guess what? Right? By the 16th, 17th person I invited to church, my car was full, you know? Then it's a problem. If anybody changed their mind, I'm screwed, right? I don't have room for you, right? Maybe next week, right? Nothing happened to me. Yes, people said no. Did they think less of me? No. I invited the same people who said no the next week, right? If I felt that, you know, I don't want to be like, be intelligent and relationally responsible. Like, don't be, don't, 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 don't be foolish. But, you know, if, if, if they showed interest, but they're not available or whatever. Okay, how about next week? Yeah, sure, I'll see. Yeah, invite them next week. See what happens. It was a little experiment. And it went from being an experiment to being like my weekend thing right? And, that, and then that went from, from these, this bunch of people that I kept inviting to church, telling me, you know, this is great, but this whole thing of coming back at like, coming, going up to North York and coming back and being back here by like 2 p.m., you know, it kind of it eats up the whole day. Why isn't there a church like this downtown? So I spoke with the priest of that church. He spoke with a bishop who spoke to the Pope and here you go. Here we are now, right? Through a bunch of invitations. How many people are there in the room right now? I don't know. I'm really bad at counting. Don't tell my daughters, right? <laughs> if every one of you invited five people to church next week, the place would pack out. The place would pack out. We wouldn't have room for everybody. People would be standing on the stairs. Five people. Four of them were going to say no. That's okay. Get this. Here's some good news. Is that if you and I happen to work in the same place and we're inviting our colleagues, right? The same person will probably say no four to five times before they say yes. So if you invite them once and I invite them once and we go back and forth... Whoever give, gives them the fifth invitation, they'll say yes, right? Maybe not all on the same day. Maybe that's like harassment, right? But, you know, again, you know, em emotionally sensitive, relationally responsible. This could be a good thing. This could be a good thing. If you have a good thing, I think church is a really good thing. But I'm sure you've got lots of other really good things going on in your life. Invite people into them. They can't come into them without you, a personal invitation. 
And get this, the invitation is personal. Hey, Mina, would you like to come dot, dot, dot? The response is not personal. 90% of the time people say no, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with they already had something booked at that time. It has to do with they're allergic to whatever. It has to do with they had some other commitment. It has to do with they're just not feeling it. But they're not, not feeling you. They're not feeling the thing. No, no, no. They're just not feeling nothing. They don't want to leave home. They're just having one of those PJ days. Right? It's fine. Everybody has them. Right? So the invitation is personal. And because the invitation is personal, we always think that the response is personal. They said, no, they hate me. They think I'm a loser. They think I'm this. They think, no, it has nothing to do with you. It has, it might, it might, 1% chance, right? But the other 99% chances are like, no, they think you're cool. They actually think you're lucky you got stuff going on. You got stuff going on that's so good that you want to invite other people into it. Jesus finds Philip and he says to him, follow me in John 1. Philip meets Jesus. When we get to paradise, I can't wait to ask him, what did you see? Because the first thing he does is drops everything and goes to Nathaniel and says to him, come and see. That's it. The magic word, if, if I have you sold on invitation and you're like, yeah, but I don't know how, I don't want to talk too much about how because that's next week, but the magic word is come. Come, add a verb after. Here, everybody do this. We're going to say four words together, okay? Ready? I'm sure you can do it. Come, sit with me. Come, sit with me. You say it. How hard was that? Walk up to somebody tomorrow morning at work and say, hey, come sit with me. Sit with you where? Oh, sit with me on Sunday. For what? Oh, this, our church does this thing at 11 o'clock. There's a message. There's some music. There's food. There's coffee. It's great. Just come. Come sit with me. Four words. Easy peasy. Every invitation begins with the word come. Come. It's an invitation. Come. Philip says to Nathaniel, come and see. Nathaniel says, oh, come on. Has anything good ever come out of Nazareth? What does Philip answer him? Come and see. Philip saw. I don't know what he saw. I want to know what he saw. He saw something. Right? He saw something. Something that was so good, he dropped everything and went to his best friend Nathaniel and told him, Come and see. Nathaniel experienced something that made him a disciple of Jesus, and he was willing to put his life on the line for it. Many of Jesus' parables involve invitation. The wedding feast, the 11th hour workers are invited to come in the field, to work in the field at the first hour, the third hour, sixth hour, ninth hour, and the eleventh hour. Jesus tells us, when you do a banquet, invite the poor, the lame, the maimed, the blind, because they can't invite you back. 
Again, invitation. Invitation shows up again and again and again and again and again and again and again. For the members of this church, I recognize there's some of you who are here who are kind of visitors or guests or, 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 or like extended family of the church. But some of you, like this is your home. If this is your home church, okay, this, this last phrase before I conclude is addressed to you. My vision for the church is that everybody is doing something active that is part of the vision of the church. The vision of the church is to open the, the doors wide to the church, not the building, but the church itself, the assembly of believers, so that everybody, that anyone in our, in our church encounters could come and find a place that they can come and belong in the church here. There's a whole bunch of people that don't have church. The vision of the church of SMSK is to make church accessible to them. Whether they're atheists or from another religion or Christian and just don't go to church, but of some other denomination or Coptic Orthodox and just don't go to church, you know, and if they go to church somewhere else and, and they love church and that, that's great. I'm happy for them. They can continue going there. We don't need to uproot them from where they are and bring them here. I think we've got something wonderful going on here, but they're more than welcome to come here or to go there. That's fine. They're not my target audience, but the target audience is the people who don't go to church. And everybody has a reason and it's a Addressing that reason and opening the doors wide to them, right? And so, to do this, we're going to need inviters. Those are the people running around society inviting people in. And when they invite them in, they're going to have to find something here. Like if, you, if you've got a good nose, you can smell the lunch downstairs. So I'm going to try to finish up, right? But there's somebody who's been cooking since 7 a.m. this morning and was here to... to past 10.30, doing food prep yesterday. There's a coffee team who's been working, right, to get your coffee ready so that when you go down, you've got fresh cappuccinos, lattes, whatever you want, ready, waiting for you downstairs. There's people who are here who are ready to receive you and all the people that you invite. So what's the ratio of inviters to receivers, let's call them? I think the ratio should be about four to one, i.e. 80% of people are inviting and 20% are receiving. Why? Because that's about the ratio of the number of people who will say yes. So if you aren't preparing the food, making the coffee, singing the worship, doing, you know, our, 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 our SMSK kids, children's ministry, if you're not, if you're sitting here, you're an inviter in our vision. If you're a guest, we don't need anything. We're just happy you're here, right? We don't need you to do anything. If you're an extended family of the church, you're a friend of the church, you, you attend church somewhere else, but you just like coming here once upon a time, we, we're so happy you're here and you're our honored guest. We want to roll out the red carpet for you. We're not going to ask you to do nothing. We're just so happy you're here. You're, you're our joy that you're here. For the rest of you, you're doing something. You're either making coffee, cooking food, singing, taking care of the kids, helping me prepare my talks, or inviting more people to come. Just to finish, Evagrius of Pontus says something. So he says something really beautiful. Evagrius of Pontus says something really beautiful. He says evangelism is this. It's two beggars looking at each other and one saying to the other, hey, I know where we can find bread. Hey, I know where we can find bread. 
I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. We're all in this together. We're all in this together, right? So invite somebody to come and to participate. It all starts with the word come. Add a verb to it. I'll give you your first invitation that you can use this week. Come sit with me. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.